This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. A very good Monday morning. This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Enterprise. There's also Raise Your Game and it's our Tools for Transformation series. This woman comes on the final Monday of every month. Our unconscious minds are the place where all our memories are stored. The unconscious mind is very protective of us, often using a lot of energy to suppress memories that are painful or that are heavily charged with negative emotions. If we want to deal with these memories, we need to access them in the unconscious mind and take all the positive learnings from them before we can let go of the negative emotions. But why not let sleeping dogs lie, I ask? Why not just leave the memories alone if they're not harming you? Ah, but they are harming you in some way. Unresolved negative emotions can actually hold you back from moving ahead to fulfill your potential. Suppressed memories will manifest in some way, either through an illness or through mental stress or an inability to function in some area of your life. Address them and you release a whole lot of energy and clarity to move ahead in life. And not just that, it'll leave you lighter and happier and more inspired to achieve what we want in life, not to mention healthier. So we have with us Human Equation founder Sheila Singham to share with us some case studies on how she used NLP and timeline therapy techniques to help people let go of their negative emotions to forge ahead in their lives. Welcome back, Sheila. Thank you, Frida. <laughs> this one, uh, this one, you just say, let's sleeping dogs like, no, it comes back. Uh. It, it comes, always does. It comes back to haunt you, uh, bite you in the Behind you know where. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start with this uh, first uh, uh, case study you had. So a client came to you with a lot of sadness and grief that was causing her to feel stuck in her life. Uh, she has lost her mother three years ago and still had not come to terms with it. The intense grief she felt caused her to break down intermittently at work, and her colleagues and superior began to wonder if she was heading for a breakdown. Uh, worse still, she seemed listless and lacking in passion for work, and that was affecting her chances at promotion, if not keeping her job. Right. Uh, so how did you help her in this? case? Well, <clears throat> in timeline therapy uh, techniques, there there is a tool that we call getting rid of negative emotions. Let me just briefly describe the, the tool. Yeah? It just requires you to find out what is the root cause for your sadness. In this case, it was sadness or whatever the negative emotion is. So I helped her to find the root cause. It's very interesting because some people will say, how do you, how do you know what's the root cause? I, I can't remember. Mm. But your unconscious mind is a depository of all your memories, huh? all your emotions. It stores and keeps it there. So it knows. So usually there's what we call a critical faculty between the conscious and unconscious. Sort of blocks you from accessing certain painful memories. But if you are in a place where you're trusting your coach, and sometimes hypnotherapy, people use that. We use timeline therapy. So what happens is that you get the person really relaxed. And because, you know, it's going to be good, you know, you use suggestive language that it's good for you to get let go of this emotion and all that, then conscious mind cooperates and brings you the root cause. So we'll be using time, I was using timeline therapy techniques with this client. But we're trying to get rid of the sadness, but she wouldn't let it go. Hmm. It's like, no, I, I can't let it go. See, the process involves going up from a dissociated state. So it's just a use visual language like, you know, float up of your body. We're not really floating, you know, yeah, but, but you and in mentally visualize and then go back above that event and look at it from a distance mm. and take the learnings. Now, Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist uh, who was involved with Holocaust victims. And he said that uh, when after the Second World War, he did... Um, 
work with Holocaust victims and he said the one thing that differentiated people who could move on with their lives was the ability to take learnings from the terrible things that ha- happened in their lives. Mm. And I think that stands true even for all of us today. Right. When bad things happen, instead of sitting and wallowing and saying, oh, woe is me, mm. why is this happening to me? You go back and ask yourself, what can I learn from this and move on? So um, that's the process. So mm. she couldn't. She couldn't take all the learning. She was taking and taking, but she couldn't let go of the emotions. Mm. So that's when I realized she was getting what we've discussed this before, secondary, secondary gain. Right. Secondary gain from holding on to the sadness. And the sadness was not going because she was still grieving for her mother who had passed on. And the secondary gain was because she believed by holding on to the sadness, she was holding on to memories. She would remember ah. her mother and honor her mother. By getting rid of the sadness, she would be dishonoring the memory of her mother. It's like, mm. you know, see, sometimes people are so, um, they're so attached to someone and they're so afraid but that, that when person, that person's gone, that they will forget them and, and dishonor them and can't visualize their face and, and all that. So what we did, what I did was at that point was to tell her, okay, let's do this. Let's ask your unconscious mind for a suitable time in the night when you're sleeping to allow you to grieve. So maybe from 2 a.m. to 3 a.m., one solid hour of grieving. So that, in se- I mean, these are all suggestions you put mm. to the unconscious mind. So telling the unconscious mind that um, the mind, uh, you, you don't, you know, during the day when you're grieving and all that, you're not doing full justice to grieving for that person because you're distracted by work, you're distracted by conversations and all the things you need so to do. So you make an appointment with grieving. Uh, make appointment with grief. Lah. So um, 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning, you just grieve. You're sleeping, right? You know, your conscious mind is sleeping. So at that point, you grieve. You give full vent, you grieve, you honour the person or whatever. But since you're consciously sleeping, you, you don't really, um, you, you're not really feeling the full brunt of it. So why don't you do that? So for that one hour, you fully devote yourself to grieving for that person while you're asleep. So that made sense. That made sense because uh, the suggestion that right now she was not honouring the person by grieving intermittently here and there, you know, it's like giving a bit of attention here and there in your midst of your busy day. So that made sense to the suggestion. She was able to let go of all that emotion. And my goodness, there was such a transformation in her. Now, I've seen her, right, over the past couple of years transform physically, transform professionally. She's got promotion after promotion. She's so vibrant. Um, she, she is in the training profession and she's just come out the passion. You know, before that, it was just training because it was a job. Right. I had content to deliver, you know, but today she's, she's not just training the content, delivering the content. She is transforming lives, mm. you know, because her life has been transformed and she's seen the power of these tools. She's infused, um, you know, some of the NLP tools into her training and she's getting fantastic results um, from her her delegates and so on. And so that itself, you know, when you, when you see people responding to your training differently, you get really in more yeah. more inspired. So it feeds on itself. Success, you know, begets success. And mm. so today she's such a happy person um she got out of a terrible relationship she she found the the strength and also sometimes you use suggestive language because i said to her your mother's not gone she's a part of you she is in you yeah. her dna is in you her values are in you you know she 
she they're ingrained in you her belief systems so she actually lives on in you so you owe it to her to live let her that part of her that's in you live on in a really vibrant meaningful way because this is how you are right now is not mm. what she would want you to be doing because from what you have told me of your mother she was an amazing woman right. so how are you reflecting that so all these language because nlp is neuro linguistic programming yeah. it is it is a modality which where you use language so a lot of times it is not any mumbo jumbo stuff you're just using language to suggest to people to influence people and watch them make the change and themselves and so now it's just happy memories Yes, yeah. she's able to remember her mother with a lot of affection, a lot of pride, and every time she remembers her mother, it's the happy memories right. that come back. So it's it was really an amazing transformation. Right. Okay. So that was that was how you got a person. So that the whole idea about a secondary gain as well. Mm. Like, do you really want to let go of the sadness or not? Right. Yes. Um. I okay. We'll we'll talk about the other case studies in just a moment. I'm here with Sheila Singer from Human Equation in our Tools of Transformation series. Stay tuned to Enterprise BFM eighty nine point nine. Break from midfield. BFM 89.9. It's uh, Raising Gave Enterprise. Good morning, Frida Liu here. Uh, Sheila Singer from Human Equation, uh, Tools of Transformation series. You hear her at the final Monday of every month. Uh, we're going through some case studies uh, talking about uh, how, uh, you know, working with our unconscious mind and how this actually affects our our. our progress in life if um, these uh, it's not standing for our benefit with what thoughts that we have and memories that we have, right? Uh, we went through one case study earlier on. This one is a young man sitting for his finals had a meltdown and came to see you because he couldn't focus enough to study. He had to take a break from studies and was not able to take the exam. So he came to see you for help. What did you do and what was the outcome? Okay, in a way, again, this was um, related to sort of like a Apathy, not really an apathy, it was just a lack of total lack of motivation. He, he couldn't be motivated. And every time um, he, he was stu- throughout school and all that, he would do okay and then he wouldn't do okay. He would do okay and then he wouldn't do okay. So this one was on and on, going on and on. So he came to see me and um, I realized that one of the things that was holding him back was that he was carrying a lot of sadness again. Yeah. You know, so you you it's it's amazing how people carry this whole well of sadness inside of them and don't even realize how it's impacting other areas of our life because every area of our life life will impact the other, yeah. right? So um, again, I I did timeline therapy with him and sort of there was anger, so we got rid of anger, and it was all kind of related. So I, when I went back and asked him what's the root cause of this sadness. He recollected it was when his grandfather had passed away. Mm. And he was five years old. Mm. And his grandfather and he had been very close. Gran- grandfather was sort of like a caregiver. I mean, they had they had a helper and all that. But he spent a lot of time with the grandfather, you know. Because I think the grandfather also had lost his wife. So this little boy was there to, you know, sort of... Cheer him up. Cheer, cheer him up and all that. So when the grandfather died, he was very small. He was five so everybody thought he couldn't understand. Mm. But he was in a kind of very dismissive. He's too young to understand, but he'll miss him for a while and all that. So he, the, the boy never had time to really grieve or make sense of this. It's just that one day grandpa was there and the next minute he was gone. So when we went there again to get take away the learnings, again there was a block. 
again the same issue of unresolved um, grief. Mm. And I and it, he he was now in his twenties, mind you, uh, but. He was, he'd been carrying this for 15 years and it had impacted everything he'd done. Even he, his health, you know, he had had in injuries to his uh, knees and legs and all. It's like the support was gone. So when you have all these bone issues and all that coming out of nowhere, um, he wasn't playing extreme sports or anything. Oh, right. So, the, you know, it's the support is gone. So again, what happened was we, you know, I, I got him to, to sort of take the learnings and he was, again, there was a block. Again, if I let go of my grief, ah. I the second begin again. I right. mean, it was so amazing. You would think two two. I mean, they were two totally different people. This happened years apart, but you know, I see this time and time again. I don't want to let go of the negative emotion. For example, someone having anger, I don't want to let go of the anger because anger is what drives me. Anger is what motivates me to go out there, prove to people that I can do this and do that. So I said, well, you don't have to do it with anger. You know, you can self-motivate in other ways. So again, dealing with the secondary gain, mm. allowing, telling him to uh, have a specific time, you know, to, to grieve, remember his grandfather, go back, write down all the wonderful memories. So this time I told him, write down all the lovely stories you remember about him, what he used to do, how behind your parents' back he would take you out and buy you ice cream against you know your mother's wishes and things like that all those lovely things so he did that was part of the tasking he did and then we got rid of the sadness and then boom you just saw this boy fly he mm. he went back and finished his uh, um, exams of course while he was there there was a little bit of anxiety that's the normal anxiety because uh, that, that feeling of exam and yeah. grief, everything had been anchored already. So we had to break those anchors. So, of course, he, you know, he Skyped me and uh, we had a chat. So I did a Skype coaching session with him. And then after that, he went off. He passed his exam. He did brilliantly. Mm. Came back and then found another career that he wanted to pursue. All the, the motivation light bulb came on inside of him. And today he's doing so well. Right, sometimes we don't know things. I mean, you're talking about five years old, mm. how this is still in, in the unconscious mind as well. Mm. Okay, now this is a, the, the, a third case study, and a third case study, and this is a pastor came to see you because he had a lot of uncontrollable anger inside, which manifested itself at home and in his interactions with his parishioners when they complained or gave him feedback. It was affecting his credibility, and uh, the congregation was not impressed by his outbursts of anger. How do you coach him, and what was the outcome it just goes to show right we're all humans <laughs> yeah people think that you know because you're a pastor a man of god a religious uh, figure of some <laughs> sort that you're all zen you know, <laughs> no anger no nothing you know but it just goes to show you know with even with you you can be very spiritual or religious or whatever but if there's unresolved stuff in your past it's just going to pop up right so he actually was recommended to me someone knew about his case and said to me can you do anything? Uh, you know, he's a pastor and all like He's a pastor. He's human, yeah. you know. So even pastors need coaches. Even coaches need coaches. I mean, Frida, yes. today, if I have an issue, I'll go and see my coach. And if my fellow, you know, practitioners have an issue, they'll come and see me. We coach each other mm. because that's healthy. You cannot ever put yourself on the pedestal and say, I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. I'm a psychiatrist, a counselor. So, you know, I am above any of this and I don't need anyone. So he came. So again, we went back and did timeline therapy work with him and 
took him back to his childhood. Now, usually, when it comes to negative emotions, the root cause period is usually before the age of seven. Hmm. Okay, so the age of zero to seven is what we call the imprint period. This is why for parents, whatever you're doing with your child between from birth to seven years of age is so very crucial. Mm. What beliefs you're and values you're inculcating in the child is so important. How your behavior is in front of your children because they're going to, and then when in the teenage years, they're going to start modeling you. Okay, model everything you do. And you know, sometimes we look at our parents and we say, yo, I don't want to be like that. Hmm. And you end up exactly <laughs> like that because you're unconsciously modeling them, right? So in this instance, it was something, a root cause that happened very, very close to birth. And people come and tell me, how on earth can someone remember something that happened to them at birth or in the womb? I can't describe it. Mm. I can't explain it. But I always believe you don't need to understand why you know it works as mm. long as it works. Right. right? Take, take a technique or process that works and use it. Right? Yeah. There's so many mysteries out there that we don't explain that, but that we work with. So um, I've seen that happening so many times. So in this case, we took him back again from a distance and we took all the learnings so again it was childhood stuff being compared to his older brother ah. who was very smart top achiever and ah. all that you know spoke english beautifully and all that and his uh, england as you say wasn't so good then so, then yeah okay. so com- constantly being compared you know his brother was a high achieving professional um in one of the top banks and he didn't really get past uh, scrape through is from five and then you know so the family looked at him and said you're a pastor like is that the best you can do and I really don't understand this if someone has made a choice to be a pastor or social worker or part of an NGO or something who are we to you know judge so from there that, that happened so we took the learnings and were able to let go of the negative emotions and my goodness now I have um I have personal experience of how his ongoing progress has been because someone very close to me was a member of his church. And I said, how? This guy? Amazing transformation. He was so much calmer. And then, you know, he the youth actually initially very afraid of him because of his temper tantrums. Now they were all getting along. So, you know, he moved on to a new church, got promoted as the youth pastor, you know, for a large congregation of youth. And just became the go-to person for all these people. He was happier. His marriage Im- improved mm. as well because no more shouting, yelling and all that <laughs> in the family and also. And he's became, he became quite zen after that. Right. You know, and So another, another lesson there, don't compare your children. Absolutely. Every child it's is different. an individual. Just like everyone's got the, you know, thumbprint and iris uh, you know imaging and whatever you know your genes are different everything is different every child is special we cannot compare someone and a lot of times I found that people have compared the children uh, found out that maybe the younger one was dyslexic had learning disabilities and you didn't know when Mm. you addressed it when they addressed it the child went boom Mm. you know so all right, so this is, uh, oh, I see, so no comparison. Now, this is a lawyer uh, wanted to leave the firm she was with to start her own practice. Uh, she had a good number of clients, so was confident she could make it work. But one part of her held back because she felt a lot of guilt at the thought that she would have to spend long hours building a new business while her children were left at home with her mother and her maid. How did you help her? 
Okay, this is a case of limiting beliefs. We basically use the same timeline therapy technique. The thing about limiting beliefs is where negative emotions are usually formed before the age of seven, uh, limiting beliefs can happen anytime. You could have listened to something or read something last week and picked it up as a limiting belief. Mm. So in this instance, she had somewhere when I saw that, the fact that I can't have a successful practice and be a good mother at the same time. That's a classic case of a limiting belief. Yeah. When people say, I can't, I must, you know, I am not this or that, uh, then I'm not beautiful, I'm not clever, you know. So straight away, I saw it as a limiting belief. So I asked her, where did you get that limiting belief hmm. from? So I asked her, your mother, did she work? No. Okay, hmm. because um, that was then the belief that was planted in her life, that if you want to be a good mother, you must stay at home and not um, work. Right. Now you can't balance both. And this is where I recommend all women to read Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In. You must read this book. Yeah. It really will clear away any doubts you have about the fact that um, women who work are not going to be good mothers, you know, or stay-at-home women can, you know, never go back into the workforce and so on. So we helped her to get rid, using timeline therapy techniques again, to go back and find out what was the root cause. Hmm. Root cause the mother, lah, hmm. you know, saying, and her listening somewhere to the grandmother telling the mother that, oh, you go and work, your children will never turn out out okay and so on you need to stay at home because i stayed at home and so on this is how we pass on our limiting beliefs to our offspring right so um when she found that out i then i said to her okay i give you tasking you go back this one week and you go and look at all the successful women out there who have been career women and have brought up their children in a wonderful way mm. so she came back you know she came back with some um Case studies. Uh, Cheryl Blair was one of those, okay. you know. And Cherie Blair. Sherry Blair. Sherry Blair, Blair, yeah. Yep. Sherry Blair was one of those. And then Michelle Obama, and yeah, until she mm. became president's wife, she was also working successfully and all that. And the children have turned out beautifully, you know. So I said, um, then she said, but there are also women who worked and the children turned out horribly, you know. I said, well, you got to balance. You yeah. look at the choice as well. Leaving the children with your mother at this point might not be the best option because your mother will be planting all these negative emotions. So, you know, come up with a system whereby they go to school, they come back, they're doing constructive things, spend a bit of time with your mom, then you uh, handle the practice and you're not doing it alone. You've got a partner in the practice. Right. So work out a system where you do have that time of day where you know children are at home and they're all active you go and hang out then after that you can always go back to work mm. you know mm. if you're running your own business your time is your own your scheduling and all that is your own so she saw that and then we got rid of the limiting belief and then she went out to start her own practice right and mm. this is the unconscious mind again again the right? unconscious mind all limiting beliefs are sort of sometimes embedded in our unconscious mind and uh I've had uh, myself, my own personal experience when I was being coached by my you know, fellow coach because I had a health issue. And then she, when I went back and I realized that stemmed from a limiting belief that I had had about health. And I had only acquired that limiting belief sometime in my 40s hmm. when I read some medical journal, you know, some medical research that said that, you know, as you grow older, women will have this certain sort of problem. Right. And so when you, when you take this and you believe it, 
choose to believe it, take it on as a belief, you kind of like embedding suggestions to your yeah. mind and your body. Yeah. Very often, this is what happens with a lot of people. Hmm. You listen to something, you choose to take it on because a limiting belief, uh, you have you make a limiting decision to like. Take it on as a belief, unconsciously. Unconsciously, and you like you, you see, even your forties, right? You never know what you read and what can get implanted and what you make as part of your belief system. Absolutely. Sometimes people come and tell you that um, you know, oh, you you can't succeed in that part of your you know in in that career. You can't succeed in this, and, and you take that off. And I, and I have people who were told, you know, when when they went and consulted astrological charts and all that, were told that. You're going to die at this age, mm. and they died at that age. Mm. Now, I really don't believe that uh, looking at an astrological chart can predict when you're going to die, because you're actually in charge of, um, you know, molding your own destiny. But if you have take that on as a limiting belief that I'm going to die at, you know, fifty mm. or sixty, then you're going to die lah, because right. you are sending those uh, suggestions to your body. You know, right. your body takes instructions from you. Right, there's certain things that I've just tried to to change. I I always tell people I'm ageless. Good, you know. So I'm ageless, and, and you're beginning to look <laughs> it too, Frida. <laughs> and I'm saying that I'll be productive until until it's time to go. Yeah, you know, and you know? and I I totally resent sometimes people, you know, older people who are my age actually who come to me and say. They are very free, you know. They've retired, chosen to retire and all that. And they say to me, when are you going to retire? Why are you working so hard? I said, why should I retire? And I say, I shall probably work till I die because uh, I'm yeah. choosing to do that. Right. So, I mean, God forbid to all those delegates who are standing in the training room, I just keel over and die. I don't <laughs> want to wish it on them. But uh, So then I don't have to keep that picture in my mind. But right. I do want to work until... I mean, I want, to, I want to keep working. I want to believe that I'm going to be healthy and able and that when I die, it's going to be sleeping in an armchair, reading a book somewhere, maybe surrounded by grandchildren. If there are no grandchildren, a few doggies around, <laughs> you know, and some loved ones. And then I just go into a sleep. You know, why, why do I need to retire? Right. Where is that? And, and I do find that people who retire early and then have nothing to do what happens is that your neurological con- neural S- connections in the brain begin to slowly die out right. and you begin to have issues with your mind and your thinking mm, too much free time yeah. thinking nonsense as well yeah that's right thanks for being with us talking about the unconscious mind how powerful that can be for the good or for the bad uh, Sheila Singer from Human Equation in our Tools for Transformation series uh, she'll be with us again uh, the final of Monday of next month. This is Enterprise BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.